Go with me, please, this evening to Mark 11, please, and then we'll go to 2 Timothy 1. We've been on a, a subject for some weeks now called Faith in God. You shouldn't be surprised hearing something like that when the building says faith out on the front. And we're big on faith. We believe God's big on faith. And make no apologies for being faith people. So you won't be insulting us if you say, oh, you're those faith people. We'll go, thank you. Yes. Yes, we are. And uh, we've been camping in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the great faith chapter. Could you receive and take some more of that this evening? Well, then let's look at Mark 11 at our text and get to it. Mark 11 and verse 22. Jesus is teaching his disciples and us about faith. In verse 22, he began by saying, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Everybody say that out loud. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. Now, how many know Jesus said it the right way? We're emphasizing, I mean, the next 23rd verse is the great faith verse where he says, If you'll say to the mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. Uh, And then the verse 24 He said, what things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. Great faith verses. And he goes on to say, and when you stand praying, forgive. All this goes together, doesn't it? It, Does this have to do, do you need to know how to confess in faith? Do you need to know how to pray in faith? Do you need to walk in love and forgive if you want your faith to work? Yes. But it all started with this verse, verse 22, have faith in God. Now the reason we're emphasizing it because thank God over the last few decades there's been a lot of good teaching on faith. And a lot of people have found out that it's not just begging and pleading, but it's it's having faith. And we we've learned about some of the principles, but just like anything, uh people can get off uh in, in the other direction. You can come out of the ditch of not knowing anything about faith and just run all the way across the road and get in the ditch into error about what you call faith. And so there are some folks now that are emphasizing their faith as the solution to everything. And really it's faith in their faith. And I've had some uh, people even ask me, if they were listening to secular motivational speakers that were teaching you how to make positive and good confessions. And they said, well, how is what y'all do is any different from that? Well, one big difference. My faith is not just in me and what I can do. My faith is in God. Not in a higher power. Not in my aura. Not in the force. Are y'all with me now? The, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who now is also my Father, because I've been born again, 
My faith is in him. Somebody say in him. In him. What did Jesus say? Have faith in God. See, people believe in a lot of stuff. I believe in working hard, people say. I believe in treating people right. I believe in family. I believe in prayer. And you know you can believe in prayer and that not be the same thing as having faith in God? You're counting on how hard you pray to fix everything? That's not faith in God. That's faith in you praying. People have faith in their faith. They have faith in their confessions. Well, I'm going to make 10,000 confessions and get it done. I'm going to do it. No, honey, you ain't going to do it. It's great if you prayed, but who did you pray to? And so then who heard the prayer? And who answered the prayer? So who did it? Not you. So don't be making the big emphasis that you prayed or that you said something because you're not the one that did it. He did it. Say it out loud. My faith faith is in him. him. Look in 2 Timothy, the first chapter. 2 Timothy, the first chapter and the 12th verse. He said in the latter part, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he, everybody say he, He. is this faith in a person. I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Paul said, I know whom I've believed. I'm persuaded that he is able. So put Hebrews 11, and you can be turning there to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 1, the definition of faith. And let's look at our three words together again. It says, now faith is the substance, or we said that word, uh, and actually many modern translations will say confidence, of things hoped for or expected, The evidence or the conviction, many translations will say, of things not seen. So with the verse we just read in 2 Timothy, there are three words that begin with C that describe to us what faith is. He said in Timothy, I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed to him. He's talking about believing. He's talking about faith. He used the word committed. And here we see with the other words that are usually translated in modern English versions, confidence and conviction there's the three words faith is confidence in in what in god conviction of of what well of what he said what he said is real and commitment to to what god have faith in god confidence in god convict conviction about what he said, and commitment to him and what he said. Say it out loud. Confidence, Confidence. conviction, Conviction. commitment. Commitment. See, these three words sum up a whole lot of what faith is and how you apply it, how you put it into practice, how you walk it out in daily life. And through this 11th chapter of Hebrews, 
He gives example after example after example. Most of the verses start with by faith. By faith. And it talks about uh, everybody you've read about uh, in the Bible virtually and mentions the rest of them by inference and reference. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Moses. By faith, David. By faith, Gideon. By faith, by faith. And if you look, you can see these individuals had confidence in God. They were fully persuaded. And they were convinced. Even though they couldn't see it, they couldn't feel it, they hadn't experienced it yet, they were convinced of it. And were they committed to it? They were committed to it. All the way. Now, in talking about faith, the Bible says the just shall live by faith, and the just shall walk by faith. But look in the 13th verse of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 and 13. Notice what it said. These all died in faith. They what? Died in faith. We know that you should live by faith, but should you also die in faith? Honey, you don't want to die any other way. (laughs) I've had people look at me and say, well, what if I die trying to believe God? How else do you want to die? (laughs) You want to live by faith? You want to walk by faith? You can be an overcomer by faith. You can please God by faith. It's the victory that overcomes the world. While you're in the world. Hmm? Even your faith. But also, perhaps, the greatest challenge of our faith is when we're done with this place. Are you listening? Which if the Lord tarries just that long... None of us going to make it out of this alive. <laughs> now, you know, he's going to come. And when he does, those that are alive and remain are going to be changed, not even going to die that one time. But if he tarries just, just a tiny, tiny bit, it's too long for us. Someone says, well, I want him to come right now. I know you do. I'd like it too. But I also want to see people saved. Right. Don't you? I, so... You know, the Lord is very long-suffering, isn't he? That's why this thing just keeps going on, because people are getting saved by the millions. He'll he'll come back exactly the right time, I assure you. Won't be too early, and it won't be too late. It'll be just right. And if you're alive and remain, and I am, well, glory to God. Hallelujah. If not, we get to come with him and go ahead of everybody else. What do you mean? The dead in Christ shall rise first. Everybody else have to watch while we get changed first. (laughs) Or (laughs) I'm sure it'd be a trip to be in your flesh watching that happen too. And then about time you're caught up in watching it, it hits you. And you're changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Either way, (laughs) we're more than okay. 
But let's talk about this tonight. You know, maybe you've heard a number of sermons on living by faith. How many you heard on dying by faith? Well, you could probably use another one then. Or your first one. These all, the Bible said, died in faith. Hallelujah. Uh, The latter part of the verse says, they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed. And they went out like that. How many believe they went out? If it said they died in faith, then they died. They left this world full of confidence about something. Right? About God. Full of conviction of the reality of what was happening and what was going to happen next. Convinced of the reality of heaven, going to be with the Lord, and committed to it. Glory to God. Go to John 21, and also if you want to find Philippians, we'll just go from from that straight to the other, Philippians 1, John 21, and Philippians 1. In John 21, Jesus had raised from the dead, and he was talking to his disciples. The latter part of the chapter, he'd been talking to Peter, you remember, and asked him, did he love him? Told him to feed his lambs and feed his sheep. Verse 18. John 21, 18. He says, Verily, verily, I say to you, when you were young, you gird yourself, you dressed yourself, and you walked wherever you wanted to. But when you shall be old, you'll stretch forth your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you would not. This spoke he, signifying by what death, He should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. History and stories that have been passed down verbally and otherwise written things indicate that Peter was led away and died a martyr's death. And... This would have been fulfilled in that. I mean, it's not something you'd have just volunteered to go to and, and bound, perhaps, and not able. But he said by signifying by what death he would what? Glorify God. Can you glorify God in your death? Yes. We need to have our heart set. That should the Lord tarry his coming and we leave here before he comes, that we'll not only glorify him in life, but in death. Y'all with me? Now, you know, you can tell it's just a little bit quiet, a little bit subdued. Because a lot of folks don't like you talking about death. Because they're still scared of it. And that's not okay. Because how many people are here that lived 200 years ago on the planet? Huh? How many? Not a one. If the Lord tarries his coming another 100 years or 150, how many of us are going to be here? Huh? (laughs) Well, I'm just going to believe God. And live. No, you're not. You're not. 
Well, I think I am. Well, you're not. <laughs> Ever so often, you know, there's a group that springs up and they take the verses that the Lord talks about eternal life and they try to apply them physically. And they say, well, people just hadn't had enough faith. Now that's saying something. You're saying Paul didn't have enough faith. Or else he'd still be here. And Peter and, and all the apostles and all the folk that followed. No, no. The scripture says it's appointed unto man once. One time to die. And after this the judgment. Besides that, who wants to stay here? Century after century. No, no, no. You want to run your race, finish your course, do what you're supposed to do, and then blow this popsicle stand. I mean, get get out of here and go where it's nice, nice. No more sorrow, no more grief. No more hospitals, no more cemeteries, no more mental institutions, no more hungry people. Are you listening? No more suffering, no more dying. Now, you get to thinking about it, and some people say, well, I want to go right now. (laughs) Be a good soldier. You got a job to do. You're down here on your tour of duty. Be strong, be a good soldier, get your job done. And when your tour is up, you're out of here. Till you come back. <laughs> oh my, we have no idea what that's going to be like. But we should be fully prepared. That should the Lord tarry is coming and we, we leave this life by death. That we die in faith. And that we die in such a way that it glorifies God. How many believe it's possible to glorify God when you die? Go to Philippians. Spirit of God spoke about this through Paul here in Philippians 1. If you'll let the Lord minister to you even tonight... You can get absolutely, totally free from the fear of dying. I'm not talking about a process. I'm talking about tonight. If you'll let his word get inside you, it can absolutely deliver you so you have no fear. Somebody say zero fear. No no fear of death. None. None. The child of God doesn't have to have any fear of death. None. You're to die how? Come on, help me out. Not in fear. How? In faith. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of the overcomer. Not cowering, hiding, doing everything you can to cling to this life and trying to, you know, like... There's nothing past this but oblivion. We're not to sorrow like those who have no hope. Like those that don't believe in God, don't believe in heaven or hell. Believe that when you're dead, that's just it. Lights out. It's over. Nothingness. It's not true. I said it's not true. The Bible's true. I said the Bible's true. 
The truth is, there is this world, but there's a place called glory in heaven. It's real. Just as real as Branson. Only much nicer. You believe it? How many know it's real? People look up into the sky and they look with their telescopes and their satellites and goes, wonder if there's life out there. Yes! Yes! The author of life. <laughs> yes! There's all kind of life outside our little planet. Hmm? And the author of life that is out there and here and everywhere is also our Father since we've been born again. Death should hold no terror for us. Listen to Paul by the Spirit in Philippians 1. Philippians 1, he said, verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, somebody say always. always. Does that remind you of any scripture? Always causes us to try. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So how can that be? How can I be sure it would be like that? It starts right here and now with you believing it. And just expecting it to be that way. He hadn't died. It was still in front of him. And yet, can you see, he's got confidence. He said, I'm not going to be ashamed. I got boldness. And not only now, not only in this life, but always. In every situation. That so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Whether it be by life, and I'm preaching, and I'm traveling, and I'm starting churches, and I'm praying, and I'm teaching pastors, or dying, death. Christ is going to be magnified, whichever one I'm doing. You know, we haven't heard enough about this, have we? You can tell by the reaction. People are going, "Mm -hmm. I don't want to die, I want to live. I didn't write these verses, right? Huh? If the Lord tarries this much longer, you're going to die. Should you be afraid of that? Should you sit up here and go, ooh, ooh, I wish you wouldn't talk about it. Ooh, ooh, let's talk about something else. Let's not. Let's talk about this. (laughs) Let's talk about when the time comes. Come on now. And you are leaving here. That you do not go out a whimpering, whining, coward, grasping desperately to hold on to another breath here like there's nothing beyond this place. But that with boldness. Come on, oh come on. Boldness. Boldness, you look death in the eye and you say, Death, where is your sting? Where's your victory? 
sin and death. Jesus has conquered you. Jesus has got the keys to death. And I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of what happens when I leave this body. I have confidence. I'm persuaded that the one that I have believed in, the one that I've trusted in, and I've committed and entrusted my spirit and my soul to, is going to be right there. Right there. Right there. Come on, somebody say, right there. When I breathe my last and I'm on the other, he's going to be right there, right there, right there. There's nothing for me to fear. There's everything for me to look forward to. Do you hear the confidence in Paul's voice? What did he say? He said, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation. That's that word that means straining, reaching, expecting. Earnest expectation. And my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Nothing. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. You read this whole writing, you'll see he knows his home going is close. He knows it. He can sense it. He can perceive it. But coming, no, there's no whining and there's no crying. Even in this jail cell. This Philippian cold jail cell. Damp and dark with lousy food. Have you read this Philippians? It's where he says, rejoice in the Lord. All the time. And again, I'm telling you, rejoice. Amen. He's sitting in a stinky, cold jail cell with lousy food. Somebody say faith. Say it, say it out loud. Faith. Does this please God? And he's saying, I'm telling you, whether I'm alive or whether I'm dying, Christ is going to be magnified in me. You need to say that tonight. You need to get that in your heart and in your mind and say it out loud. When I live, Christ will be magnified. When I die, Christ will be magnified. Hallelujah. In fact, I mean, pray this out loud. Sincerely, say it out loud. Father God, in Jesus' name, let me die the death of the righteous. Should you tarry your coming long enough, let me die in a way that glorifies you. That glorifies you. Hallelujah. We ask it in Jesus' name. You serious about that? Then make up your mind that you're not having it any other way. You don't have to go out wrong, wrong time, too early, wrong way. You can go out right. He said, whether it be by life or by death, Christ shall be magnified in my body. 
Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is spooky. (laughs) The great unknown, mysterious, wow, scary. Now, what did he say? What? Gain. So, when a child of God dies, what happens? They immediately gain tremendously, don't they? From where they were just a moment ago when they were breathing in the body, I mean they come into a great gain. How many believe it's just that way? Gain. Say it out loud. Gain. Gain. If I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I wot not. Does he say he has a choice right now whether he stays a little while longer? Or whether he goes. So much is up to us more than people have thought. That's what we're saying just a moment ago. You don't have to go early. You don't have to go wrong. If it looks like something's going to take you out, believe God and overcome it. Get to victory. Brother Hagin said numerous people that he'd ministered to that were older and uh, pronounced incurable and terminal. And just, you know... Doctors said they don't know how they're still alive. And he'd get to talking to them. And they'd say, well, you know, I'm X amount of years old. I've had a good life. Just leave me alone. Let me go on and be with the Lord. He said, no, not like this. Get healed. And then die if you want to. <laughs> now, that sounds strange, doesn't it? That sounds so foreign and strange to people. But that's what we're talking about. You don't have to die from one of the devil's goofy accidents or stinking diseases or something like that. Get the victory. And then go when you and the Lord get good and ready for you to go. Now you see people, they try to get this wise looking and go, well, if you never got sick, how would you ever die? I know you think so, but that is not an intelligent question. It's an ignorant question. Ignorant of the Word of God. Ignorant of what you are. You're not a body. You're a spirit in a body. Hmm? The Bible compares the spirit and the body to a, uh, a sheath and a sword. The body's compared to the sheath or you might the scabbard, you might call it. It'd be like a hand and a glove. I mean, you're looking at me and this body's animated, but it has no life apart from me. The reason it's working like it is is because of me. The spirit that's inside. Now the spirit leaves this body. You won't have to shoot it to make it stop moving. You won't have to put a disease in it to make it stop. There is no life in this body apart from me. All that has to happen for this body to die is for you to step out of it. It's like pulling a hand out of a glove. Like pulling a foot out of a boot. You pull the hand out of that glove and throw that glove over there, it's going to be motionless. It ain't going to keep moving. There's no life in it apart from your hand, and there's no life. How I many know I'm not just making this up? Didn't James say that the body without the spirit is dead? Isn't that what he said? So that's what death is. Death is not, somebody said, well, death is the end. Death is not really the end of anything good or worthwhile. It's the end of your earth tour. (laughs) 
But it's not the end of you. It's not even the end of your body. Right? Somebody said, well, they'll, they'll bury that thing and it'll decompose. Especially if a long, long time passes, you wouldn't even be able to find it. God knows where every cell is at. And when the trumpet sounds, I don't care if a child of God died at sea and five sharks got them and they swam to different continents. And that was 500 years ago. Are you listening? Or if a child of God died in the Sahara and their bones were bleached and the wind swept up part of them and blew them across the Atlantic. Did you hear me? And part of them fell in Canada and part of them fell in Australia. How many know they're still here? And when that trumpet sounds, when that trumpet sounds, that body's going to come together. And the glory of God's going to hit it. And the corruptible's going to be changed to incorruptible. And the spirit's going to slip back in that body. Hallelujah. And now they're going to have a, you're going to have a body that'll stay with your spirit. They won't get tired. They won't grow old. Never be weary. Never have a pain. Oh, 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 oh. That's why to die is gain. Gain. Now you either believe the Bible or you don't. When you believe the Bible and you get it settled, your fears go away. Your concern and your worries go away. You're not afraid of death. Somebody say glory to God. Now, the greatest example of dying in faith is the master. Did you know that? Jesus. How many know he died in faith? Let me read some scriptures to you. John 10 and 18. Jesus said, no man takes it, talking about his life, from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Is he facing this confidently? Not to say it was going to be easy, but that he knew it would not be the end. He knew there was something Beyond what he was about to face. In uh, Matthew the 26th chapter. And 53rd verse. Matthew 26. And 53. He told them. When they came to take him you know. And his disciples were going to stand up and try to fight. And he said. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father. And he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Now, you talk about courage. In fact, go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, where we started out. Hebrews 11, 13 said those folk died in faith. In the end of the 11th chapter, we reading about this last week, how that he said, I don't have the time to tell you about Gideon and 
Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, verse 33, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and we studied about that. And it said, and others, now get this, verse uh, 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Read this other phrase with me. And others what? Were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. (laughs) You can tell we haven't had much teaching on this, can't you? This is in the 11th chapter of Hebrews too, isn't it? Is this faith too? How did they do this? Every one of these is by faith, isn't it? By faith, what did they do? They didn't accept deliverance. Isn't that what we're talking about with Jesus right now? Could he have been delivered? Hmm? He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. And I can take it back up again. And when it all started going down, he said, don't you know? I could call right now and get legions of angels. How many know Isaiah talks about, you know, the prophet saw through the ages into the future and said, like a lamb to the shearers is dumb, he opened not his mouth. And then he said it again. He opened not his mouth. What does it mean he opened not his mouth? He could have opened his mouth and come off that cross. Are y'all with me? He could have called for deliverance. And it would have come. And we'd be lost. Did he die by faith? Did he let the mocking and trial? happen to him did he allow and let himself be scourged could he have cried out when he was on the whipping post yeah that's why it said like a sheep before her shearers is dumb he opened not his mouth because if he had a how many know he could have cried out at any time and said father i appeal to your righteousness this is not fair i've done no wrong I don't deserve this. I call for deliverance. I call for my life. And it would have happened. I said it would have happened. He did not take his deliverance by faith. Keep reading here. They were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. Say that phrase out loud. Not accepting deliverance. Now, we see people obtaining deliverance by faith. And then we see another side of it. Not accepting deliverance by faith. They were tortured. And why didn't they accept it? That they might obtain a better resurrection. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Master himself did. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments, they were stoned. 
They were sawn asunder. Some of them were sawed in two. Alive. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. They knew redemption was coming. Hmm? They knew the resurrection was coming. They knew some of these things. And heaven was so real to them. God was so real to them beyond this life. That when they had a choice. Denounce God and live. Or die today and go to glory. They said die. This is faith too. I said this is faith too. Why didn't they accept their deliverance? Now, I mean, it's easy for us to sit in here in air-conditioned comfort (laughs) and contemplate this. But there was, history bears this out. There was Christian after Christian after Christian, thousands upon thousands of them that had a choice, didn't they? Denounce Christ or go into the arena and die today. Denounce Christ. Say that you were confused and he did not raise from the dead and he's not Lord. You don't know what happened to you, but all that's a bunch of junk and you don't believe in it anymore. Denounce it and live. Maybe to a ripe old age. Or certain death. Now. And some of these were horrible deaths. Sawed in two while you're alive, tortured, tempted, the list goes on. And what did they do? They did not accept deliverance that was being offered. What enabled them to do that? What did the Bible say? How'd they do that? By faith. What is faith? Confidence, conviction, commitment. Were they afraid to die? They were not afraid to die. Some of them were young. They hadn't had a whole long life to experience life. They had dreams and thoughts just like you. But they made up their mind. Read it again. We're not accepting your offer of deliverance. Now, friend, when you are not accepting somebody allowing you to live, something else has got to be real to you. Something else has got to be real to you. What was real to them? That they might obtain, verse 35, a what? A what? Not just get resurrected. (laughs) A what? A better resurrection. Well, I see question marks above people's heads all over the place. The Bible says what it says. It means what it says. 
It's just what it means. What does it mean better? Well, the Bible says that uh, the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to differ like the stars in glory. I know people like to think that, you know, heaven is a socialist place. <laughs> Communist. Everybody's same rank, same place. No, no. Jesus talked about people that had been faithful and were rulers over five cities. Some were rulers over ten. Some are more faithful in this life than others. But we're having fun tonight, aren't we? A better resurrection. This is the key word that enabled you to face even death without fear. Somebody say better. better. Say it again, better. better. What did Paul say? To live is Christ. To die is what? Gain. Gain is better. Somebody say better. Are you still in Hebrews 11? Back up to the 10th chapter. Let's, let's get this to flow together. 10 and 34. Well, 32. Call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better. Somebody say better. A better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Somebody say better. Say it out loud, better. How can you face death? Not tremble, not be scared, not be terrified like other people are. How? Because you know, yeah, you know, past this, it just gets better. If you're a child of God, if you're born again. It just gets better. Not worse. Better. 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 Keep reading down in the 11th chapter. You'll see this theme coming up over. It's why we, we must not ignore this when it's this prevalent in the great faith chapter. In uh, verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was what? When he was dying, he was doing something by faith. Blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Why wasn't he scared and concerned about himself? Better is the word. 22. By faith Joseph. Read the next phrase. When he died. Made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. And gave commandment concerning his bones. Now here's the thing friend. Faith is the confidence of things what? Hoped for or expected. The evidence or conviction of what you don't see. What you can't. Verify with your senses. But it works exactly the same whether you're walking in the earth or whether you're departing the earth. What do you mean? You're always looking for better. <laughs> huh? Mrs. Y'all are incurable 
positive thinking people. Uh Uh-huh. We are always looking for better. We're looking for better this evening than we had today. We're looking for better next week. We're looking for just not many days longer to be in the best shape of our life to be in better. And we ain't going to stop there. Right? We're going to believe for it to get even better after that and after that and after that and after that. And if one if he doesn't come, one day we're going to die and we're going to shout because it's going to get even better. 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 Faith is always looking with an expectant, excited. Why are you expecting something? What do you have? What do you have that makes you think anything better is going to happen? I have confidence in the one that you can't see. I have conviction of the reality of what you and I can't see, and I am committed. To the one in whom I have trusted and believed. And I'm convinced that what I've committed to him and entrusted to him, he will faithfully keep. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again, glory to God. And tell me that word again. What's that word? Better. Better. Better than today. Better than the past. Better than the best I've ever known. And eventually better than this life. Always looking. Look in the 10th verse, Hebrews 11. Verse 9, rather. Abraham. He obeyed God. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he, he looked for a city that he never found down here. (laughs) But he's been enjoying for a long time now. But he looked for it his whole life. And that's why the 13th verse says they died in faith. Because they didn't find it down here. (laughs) He was looking. Come on, think about it. God told him, leave your kin, folks. Leave your home. Leave your ancestral place. And go to a place I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. And by faith, he packed up. And he left because he was looking (laughs) for something better. Oh, somebody's getting it. Somebody. He was looking for something better than mom and them's house. And where all his kinfolks grew up and what they knew and what they believed. He believed God had something bigger and better for him than what everybody else knew and was talking about. And he went a-looking for it. And he found it. In this life, he found the covenant with the Almighty. 
He found the son they said he and Sarah couldn't have. Come on. He found riches beyond his wildest imagination. He had so many goats and camels and sheep. They didn't have enough land to graze them all. Didn't he? Gold. He had so many employees. He had his own little private army. You remember that? Did he find better than what was back where he came from? Oh, I could shout. I could shout. Because, <laughs> not, you know, not too many years ago, Phyllis and I left our little 1969 Marriott mobile home with no insulation and went out looking for something better. <laughs> we left what we knew what we understood, not even knowing really where we were going or where it was going to wind up, but we're looking for something better. And I'm telling you, we found. We found something better. And he's led aside again, and we found even better. Come on, are you listening? Everybody that will follow him will find better. 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 And the big better is when you leave this place. And even way back then, Abraham picked that up in his spirit. And he started looking for a city. He didn't know exactly where it was and didn't know exactly what it would be. But he had this sense in him, there is a city. And he'd get to this big city and he'd go, that ain't it. And people would tell him about it. Now you talk about a city, you ought to go over there to that city. He'd get there and he'd go, well, this is great, but this ain't it. And his whole life, come on, are you reading this or not? He's looking for a city, and he finally realized, I'm not looking for a city that men built. (laughs) Men laid this foundation. Men planned this out. Men built these buildings. I'm looking for one whose builder and maker is God. And he found it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm going to know even everybody that's up there is about to find better. With God, it never stops getting better. Throughout the ages to come, He's going to reveal and manifest and show us the exceeding riches of His grace, the Bible said. Hallelujah. Look at verse 39 again. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided somewhat, somewhat, oh, somebody's got to get happy about better in here, some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Then it says, wherefore? Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What kind of witnesses? Faith witnesses. Who found the better. We're still looking for. We got a whole witness in the grandson. He said lay aside every weight. Every sin that would slow you down or hinder you. And run this race with patience. Why? Because everybody's shouting from that. They're going, it's here. It's here. The better is it. Run your race, man. 
Don't give up. Don't quit. It's here. It's here. We didn't see it, but we believed it. And it's real. It's real. We're here. Come on. Stay with it. Stay with it. You'll get here. And it's better than anything you ever imagined or dreamed or thought or asked. Somebody say, looking for better. (laughs) That's the spirit that was in them. That's in us. Why? We're not talking about not being thankful. For what God has done for you. Yes you're thankful. But how many know with God. There's always more. Isn't there? In this life. And past this life. There's always. Better than what you've experienced. And seen. And known. We're in Matthew. I didn't finish this up. Let me finish this up. Put that scripture back up that we were looking at, guys, in in Matthew, please. Actually, put up Luke 23. 23 and 46. This is how Jesus did it. He died by faith. He did not accept deliverance by faith. How many know he has now obtained the best resurrection? (laughs) How many understand he would not have been lost had he called for his deliverance? He wouldn't have been lost. Yeah, but get the parallel. These folk in Hebrews 11 said they did not accept deliverance. That they might obtain what? A better resurrection. Not to say they'd have been lost if they'd have tried to to live a little bit longer or just not been as vocal about their testimony. But how many understand having a few more days down here is not all it's about. Seeing how long you can eke out an existence down here should not be your ultimate goal. Life down here is not valuable except it's profitable to the Lord and to the kingdom some way. I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't want to do anything that bring any reproach. Do you? Paul made this statement, and it's a strong statement. He said, uh, talking about... He had made a decision he was going to make the gospel uh, available to everybody at no charge. And he had a right to be supported in a number of different ways. But he said, uh, he said I'd rather die than my glorying be made void concerning this. Did he really mean that? Why is he saying that? He said, I'd rather go. Because he knows that to depart is... It's gain. It's it's far better than being here. And unless he is doing some good, and unless he's bearing some fruit, and much better than bringing a reproach. So we do want to live a long, full life, but we don't want to compromise and sacrifice our witness 
to have a few more days down here with the curse and crazy people. <laughs> and demons and disease and, and all this other stuff. What, why are we here? For His pleasure, we're created. We got a purpose. If you hadn't found your purpose, friend, get to seeking God earnestly. You are no accident. I don't care what anybody said. You are not here by accident. You did not surprise the Lord when you showed up. Wow, where'd he come from? What are we going to do with him? Oh, no. Oh, no. You might have been a surprise to some other folks, but you are not a surprise to him. He knew you before you were ever born. He knew you. From the foundation of the world. He knew you. And he had a plan for you. And a place for you. And if you hadn't found it. Oh friend. You don't have any time to waste. Seek God earnestly. Pray fast. Do what you need to do. Find out. Where your place is. What your grace is. What your job is. Get to it. Get busy. And you may have to start off. It may seem small to you. You may not seem like your ability is there. But start and believe for better. Right? And just keep believing for better. And keep believing for better. And keep believing for better. And you'll just keep coming up and coming up and coming up. God has been so gracious to use Phyllis and me. And I'm telling you, we started from nothing. Absolutely nothing. No education, no knowledge of spiritual things, no refinement, no great intelligence. Did you hear me? Mud between my toes and dumb as a post. (laughs) And I had to humble myself. There are times you would think, you know, somebody that was dumb and poor and broke and had nothing going for them wouldn't have any pride to deal with, but you do. Sometimes poor people are some of the worst because they think, well, that's all I got is my pride. I got to hold on to my pride. Oh, and they do. But there'd be times that I'd have an opportunity to do something for the Lord and I'd think, I can't do that. I don't know how. I don't have the ability. I know there came an opportunity. They asked me to play the piano in services. And I just about fell off my chair. Because I was taking some lessons. I had learned how to do a couple of things by ear. But it was wrong. <laughs> and I was taking a few lessons. And I'm just learning how to, where to put my fingers for the chords. Bum, 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 bum. And they asked me to play for the service where Brother Hagin was speaking. Now my first thought was, I can't. Not trying to be humble, I just can't. You understand? Can't. And the Lord checked me. The Lord checked me. He said to my heart, he said, they already knew when they asked you. They know what they're getting. (laughs) What I didn't know is that Brother Hagen and the other ones that were involved with, they knew I didn't have that much ability, but he's looking for faith. 
If God can find a man or a woman with a heart, are you listening? He can give you ability till it comes off the top of your head. Are you listening to me? He, he's the source of all ability. Talent and grace and smarts. I mean, he doesn't need ability. He's got it all. He's looking for a heart that'll obey him and believe him. I didn't realize it, but that was where my test was coming in right now. Are you going to obey me? And it came to the point where I knew I can't talk my way out of this. I either do it or disobey. There were no two or three ways about it. And so I said, well, I tried to explain to him again. Now, you know, I really can't play. I'm not. How can I say it? (laughs) And uh, they said, well, just do the best you can. So I practiced, brother, every day. I was boom, 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 boom. I was in there in the practice room, and come service time, they had uh, they're leading music, and they'd give me three fingers down, and they'd give me this and that, and I'm like, hi, and, what, what does that mean? I don't, what's three flat? I never use the keys on top. I just play the ones on the. I just sound sad. I'm not really exaggerating. I mean, it was almost that bad. I've always, the Lord blessed me with a good ear so I could hear, and I could hear everywhere I'm blowing it. I'm, I, <laughs> I mean for it to sound different, but it's going, uh, uh, and I look out, and here's a guy sitting in the crowd. He is a tremendous pianist, and here's somebody who is a tremendous vocalist, and, I'm, and I mean, there were people that had skills, and I'm sitting there thinking, they must think, what is wrong with them? To put that country boy up there banging on the keys. And I had to humble myself. Are you listening to me? Because it was embarrassing to me. Are y'all with me or not? It was embarrassing to me to try to do something and be on that level. Because everybody wants to do well. Everybody wants to look good, sound good. But the Lord didn't, he didn't ask me about all that. And you know, supernaturally, he helped me. And I learned, and I grew, and I improved, and I didn't hit so many wrong notes. And, and I eventually found out what three flats was, and, <laughs> and uh, eventually played both keys, you know. And, and uh, I don't claim to be that developed at this point, but I got to where I could do the job and learn and do better. Somebody say better. Somebody say better. <laughs> better I kept looking to do better I thought come on boy you got to do better than this and and the Lord helped me and I did better somebody say better Better. and then it got better Better. and then it got better Better. and then he started giving me songs (laughs) glory to God and some of them were as simple as Mary had a little lamb you know but then they got better somebody say better and better. And the preaching was the same way. The first time they asked me to speak, I was, I was about too embarrassed. I mean, they'd been listening to Brother Hagen. What am I going to say? And you have to humble yourself and know that you're not there. You don't know everything that they know, and you haven't developed like they have. But uh, you got to be thankful for what the Lord gives you. Amen. Did you hear me? And not compare with somebody else and not measure with somebody else because if they're developed, they didn't start where they are. How many of nobody starts at the top? Nobody starts fully developed. But if you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. You understand? You got to start. 
expecting better. And you got to be willing to humble yourself. And you know it ain't all there yet, but you're believing for it to get better. And if you'll stay with that all your life, how many know you don't see how, you don't know how, but you got a conviction of things you can't see. You got a confidence. Come on, you're committed to this thing, and God will get you somewhere. He will raise you up and eventually make you to where you're a help. Where you're something solid, where you're so, you're not just dragging along, you're adding to it. You're bringing something to the table. Come on, are you listening? It may not happen overnight or in a year, but if you stay with it, and all you got to do is get up every morning, and even if you were disappointed, and even if you felt like you did bad, get up and say, I'm going to do better. In Jesus' name, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's going to get better starting now. Come on. And even though you swing and strike and swing and strike, how many know you got to come back up to bat? Don't quit. You got to step back up. It says it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's not the people who start off with these amazing abilities. It's the people who just didn't quit. That God uses and develops and they get better. Hallelujah. So every day we get up, we live by faith, and we say it's getting better. This church is going to get better. This ministry is going to get better. Are you with me? The outreach is going to get better. The ministry is going to get better. The anointing is going to get stronger. Come on. The gifts of the Spirit are going to get stronger. It's going to get better. Better. Somebody say better. And you keep believing. And if it don't feel like it is, you don't let it move you. You just keep looking. How many know Abraham kept looking for that city? Didn't he just kept on, kept on? You just keep looking for it, and you keep looking for it, and you keep looking for it. And you keep doing that, and God will use you, and things will happen, and a lot of things will be better than you know they are. You'll find out later. And then one of these days you'll get up, and you're believing for better, and the Lord says, hey, today it's going to get a lot better. <laughs> you're coming home to be with me. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> and then you're going to find out what better is all about. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Jesus said when he hung on the cross, that verse in Luke 23, 46. He cried with a loud voice. This is at the very end of his earthly service and ministry. What did he say? Is it up there? Verse 46. What did he say? Father, into your hands I commend. Now that's a King James rendering. We'd say commit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. What's he doing? He's about to breathe his last breath. What's he doing? He's facing death, isn't he? Is he facing it with faith? Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And when he said that, he breathed his last, gave up the ghost. His spirit left his body. And there's a lot happened 
those next days and nights for him to obtain an eternal redemption for us, for him to get the keys of death and hell and the grave. We don't know the fullness of what he did. But how many know it was not the end? And on the third day, (laughs) it got better. Hey! (laughs) And hallelujah, he ascended on high with his own blood where he obtained an eternal redemption for you and I. And he came and he talked to the disciples and many signs and wonders were happened. And then he was taken away from them. And as they were standing staring at him, the angel said, just like he left, he's going to come with clouds of glory. How many know that's not the end of him leaving? It's going to get better. He's going to come. Hallelujah. Close your eyes, raise up your hands, say it out loud. By his grace, I will live every day with faith in him. Lord, with faith in you, I will get up. I will go to work. I'll come home. I'll do my jobs. Looking for better. Expecting your best to come into my life. For me to come up higher and higher. From glory to glory, it will get better and better. In my life, life, from here on out, out. and not only only will I live by faith, faith. but should you tarry your coming, coming. at the right time, time, I will die by faith. I I refuse to fear, I I will die 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 in a way way that glorifies you. I will die by faith. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, lift your hands and praise Him, saints. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.